right. Meg Linehan here. I'm your friendly neighborhood staff writer at The Athletic covering women's soccer, including the U.S. Women's National Team and the National Women's Soccer League. I'm super excited to tell you that we're taking our coverage to a whole new level this month with a weekly podcast on women's soccer. Starting Thursday, June 25th on Full Time with Meg Linehan, and I promise at some point I will probably get used to my name being in the title. I'll fill you in on the major stories every week, but my main goal is taking my love of future stories full of nuance and detail and bringing that energy to full time. Plus, I'll have plenty of interviews with insiders from around the game, including my fellow writers in the soccer world. It's not just what's happening on the field either, even as the NWSL prepares to kick off the Challenge Cup in Utah at the end of the month. I've never shied away from the bigger picture, and full-time will be more of the same as we tackle the culture, context, and conversations about the sport here in America and beyond. If you want to hear full-time ad-free, head to theathletic.com or the Athletic app. If you haven't subscribed yet, well, it's the perfect time for it to make sure that you catch all of our Challenge Cup coverage. Plus, we have a great deal for 40% off a new annual subscription if you head to theathletic.com slash full-time. Again, that's theathletic.com slash full-time. You get the show ad-free, you get all of our women's soccer coverage, plus everything else we have to offer. But no matter what, you can always listen to full-time with Meg Linehan every week on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. And welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. Daryl Grove, not with me today. He is up in Boston. So instead, I'm going to be talking to Kim McCauley of SB Nation's All 411. Kim has written some great previews of the NWSL Challenge Cup, which is kicking off this weekend. So we get into the favorites, the maybe not favorites, the players she's most excited to see, as well as obviously some conversation about the Orlando Pride, about the pandemic situation as a whole. Lots and lots in the conversation. So with that introducing done, I will say, Kim, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, no problem. How are you doing? I am. I'm. I'm doing okay. I think Manchester United just uh, destroyed Sheffield United, and that made me feel better. I'm slightly apprehensive about the NWSL Challenge Cup, though. So maybe at the end of this, I'll feel even better. Uh, but I'm mostly excited that I've actually hit record at this point. Since I think last <laughs> time we had you on in Chicago, I did not hit record. This time, I started off by not hitting record because I'm the best. But I appreciate you putting up with it, and now uh, I hope you are ready to talk all things NWSL. Absolutely. Sweet. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about the Orlando Pride having to uh, remove themselves from the competition, but I kind of want to stay away from that for a moment and instead focus on the format of the tournament itself. How much did Orlando pulling out at the last minute, I think two days before they're supposed to show up, how much did that change things? How much like had to be reconfigured because that team dropped out? It didn't change the format that much. There's still going to be a group stage where everybody plays four games, followed by a knockout stage format uh, or by by knockout tournament after the group stage. Um, the only difference is that nobody gets knocked out in the group stage um, before a team was going to get eliminated. Now that there are eight teams, uh, the group stage is just for seeding. They did have to change who played who, you know, some of the group stage, stage schedule because Orlando wasn't available. Um, so there are some teams who thought they had an easy schedule, whether that both in terms of who they played and the spacing of the games, who uh, found out yesterday that they now have a much more difficult schedule. 
Um, and so turning to the Pride for a moment, uh, they had, I believe I'm correct in saying they had one player test positive on July 18th. By the 22nd, that had increased to six players and four staff members. There are now, I think, rumors that more players have since tested positive. And I'm not even really sure there's a question here, aside from like, this just really sucks, right? That this team was sort of in this position to come back, that we had players coming back. Sydney LaRue had, LaRue had worked herself into fitness. And now here we are with them being out. Uh, yeah, it sucks a lot. Um, uh, I have obviously seen a lot of people be extremely critical of mm -hmm. players who uh, went out to bars, which was, uh, by the way, legal. Um, but still, I, I think they, the players are adults and knew the mm -hmm. risks associated and uh, decided that to do it anyway. And uh, now they're they, not just them, but their teammates who were more responsible than them are, uh, are paying the consequences. And that really sucks. And I don't like they shouldn't get off the hook for criticism for that. But I personally believe more criticism should be directed at the, uh, the state government of Florida, who uh, has done a very poor job handling the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, it's leading to, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of infections in that state. Yeah. Well, let's let's stick with that then for a second, because like I do, we are going to get to the tournament. I promise uh, if you're if you're tuning in to hear about your your team play, you probably don't want to hear about COVID up top, but deal with it because we're in a pandemic. Um, Daryl and I didn't really focus on the should this be happening aspect of things when the Bundesliga restarted. Mm -hmm. We sort of only had very limited conversations about it when the Premier League came back. This does feel different to me because you have lots of big names opting out. You do have injuries as well. This feels like it could be a bad idea. And I, as I said, I don't want to focus on the negatives, but I'm wondering where you are on this one. Do you have those same concerns or have you sort of been reassured that things will go smoothly? Uh, I think it's fair because those leagues were taking place in countries that have handled uh, things a little bit better than the United States um, mm -hmm. for all of the criticism that the UK government has got for their, for their handling of the pandemic. And I think mostly deserved, they still have it much more under control than, uh, than we do. And it is, mm -hmm. and it is much safer to play sports in the UK than it is in the United States right now. I think that's indisputable. Um, I, I definitely do have concerns about this happening. And I think with Orlando, we see why, like if everyone follows the protocols, if people are not going out to bars, if people are uh, not really doing much besides going between their home and training and they are, you know, wearing PP whenever they go somewhere else, then um, everything's probably fine. But it only takes one person breaking the rules for uh, dozens of people to get sick, right? So um, obviously it is safe if everybody follows the rules, but... I don't what are the chances that you get all what is it 400 people that are going to be under one roof every single one of them to follow the rules uh <laughs> I'm not it's, sure it's 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 in a risky situation and I think it's it's only because we have this situation with Orlando that otherwise it would be a more of a like well you know so far it's been okay maybe there's been a test here a test taste that test ugh, a test there but that's been positively dealt with whereas now we have an entire team pulling out and I think that's why it puts it into such such stark contrast it also means that we're going to have some players not there 
both with Orlando, but then some players choosing not to take part in the competition itself. How are you sort of approaching the tournament with that in mind, that if we're not going to have Tobin Heath or uh, Megan Rapinoe or Kristen Press uh, because of these reasons, are you still sort of watching these teams the same way? Or is it about maybe getting to see players that you're less familiar with or uh, more familiar with, but maybe might not be on the main stage yet? Yeah, that's, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. The way I'm thinking about this tournament is less like, you know, it's not about necessarily about who who wins. And like, obviously they're all going to say they want to win. Every team is going to say we're taking this seriously and like we want to win a trophy. But the way I'm watching it and the way I'm interested in it is more about like, this is a really cool opportunity for player, for younger players, for inexperienced players who haven't gotten a lot of playing time to maybe get some shine that they haven't before. And get themselves into a position where if we have a normal season in 2021, they've actually like gotten competitive game time and they've actually gotten evaluated by their coach in a, com- in a competitive setting. And now they are like key players for their team when, when this, you know, when we return to regular play. So like, that's the more interesting aspect of it to me from a soccer perspective than who actually wins the tournament. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk uh, more about sort of the players themselves, the team themselves. But since we're talking pandemic, we should also probably talk about the ongoing protests uh, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Uh, we were talking about a league where like only a few years ago, the Washington Spirit uh, owner, I think was like finding new and innovative ways to make sure Megan Rapinoe could not kneel during mm-hmm. the national anthem. Where is the league on that issue now? And do you think we will see protests from the players who are taking part in this competition? Yeah, I think we're absolutely going to see protests. And I think we're going to see uh, zero effort from their coaches or their owners or the league to suppress that. I don't think anybody's going to ask them to not do that. Um, I'm certain that nobody's going to get punished for doing it because uh, even if anybody up top disagrees with the protest, they, they're they smart enough to know it is a very bad business decision for them mm-hmm. to supp- suppress anybody's protest. Um, I think that a lot of sports leagues just they're smart enough to see which way the wind's blowing, right? Like the NFL released its, you know, its videos supporting players and, you know, Roger Goodell opening openly supporting players when, you know, Roger Goodell was very active in the, the effort to suppress Colin Kaepernick's protest and uh, allow owners to collude, to keep him out of the league. Um, I don't think that Roger Goodell, was a terrible person then. And I don't think he's a good person now. I think that he's just smart enough to see like, what's the good business decision here. Yeah. Um, and the good business decision back then when Kaepernick started the protest was an amoral one, unfortunately. Um, but that's the decision he made. Um, and then the, the good business decision now happens to be one that I agree with, but I don't think he's making it, ma- making the decision because it's the right thing to do think he's doing it because it's smart it's going to help his league make more money than the alternative and i think nwsl is in the same position there there are people at that league at the league office and owners obviously that do genuinely believe in the fight for social justice and believe in the things that their black players are speaking out about but there i think there are others that don't but also know that it's in their best business interest to shut up so we have uh, it being a bad a bad business decision to stop protests. I'm going to say it's a bad business decision to go to a bar during a pandemic. I agree. Um, 
Yeah, and with that in mind, one more about Orlando. Uh, how much has come out about the players themselves? Has that still sort of been kept under wraps? I mean, I know if people want to do some quick Googling, I think they can probably <laughs> figure it out. But I, I'm torn between like wanting to know who the players are and sort of being very angry at them and simultaneously like trying to be respectful of privacy rules and medical tests and things like that. But I'm wondering if you uh, like how much you want to talk about the players and how much you want to talk about what might happen to them going forward. Uh, so some very some very intelligent internet sleuths yes. were were able to figure out uh, which players were actively going to bars. Um, not all of those players are ones that tested positive for COVID, which is mm-hmm. uh, the real problem going forward for Orlando from a uh, locker room culture or roster building perspective is some of the players that were going out to the bars did not get COVID. And some of the players who were being very responsible did get COVID. Um, and I imagine that the players who are being very responsible are extremely upset with the players who are not being responsible. That would make sense. Um, and uh, let's say I'm not going to name any names here, but let's say hypothetically <laughs> that one of the players who went out uh, to the bars was a very talented rookie. Mm-hmm. And one of the players who got sick was not going out to the bars, but is a very well-respected veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, and the very well, well-respected veteran says, I don't want to play with her ever again. Screw her. What do you do? <laughs> do you just, do you just cut all the players who went to the bars? Do you see if they have trade value? Do you try to work past it? I have no idea. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I think, I think that's why I, I wanted to talk about this, but I also, again, sort of don't know how to discuss it because I don't want to just be like, so what's going to happen to them? Like, well, like, give me the salacious details. But simultaneously, it's such a it's such a major talking point that it has to be addressed. But I guess we'll just leave that to, to the GMs and to the pride. And I do not envy them for having to try to figure it out. Let's instead talk about the games themselves heading into the Challenge Cup. Um, I wanted to know who you think is in the strongest position and why it's North Carolina. Um, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously, if anybody wants to know why, who doesn't already know? Yeah, good um, point. <laughs> uh, North Carolina returns 10 of its 11 starters from the team that, that won the, the Cup uh, and Shield double last year. The only player who isn't returning is just because she has a torn ACL, Merritt Mathias. Um, everybody else is back. So Crystal Dunn, Dabinia, Jess McDonald, Lynn Williams, Sam Mewis, Denise O'Sullivan, Abby Dahlkemper, they're all they're all back, and uh, yeah. every other team has had some kind of change. Um, Chicago, who were the runners up last year, lost Sam Kerr. Portland uh, got rid of half their internationals, not not half, almost all of their internationals, and you know they're going to be playing some rookies. Um, the The gap between North Carolina and the rest of the league has uh, has widened in the last year. Hey, everybody, much more NWSL chat still to come from my conversation with Kim McCauley. But first, I wanted to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Policy Genius. With everything going on right now, a lot of people are asking if it's even possible to buy life insurance at all. The short answer is yes. You can, of course, buy life insurance during a pandemic. Uh, and if you have loved ones, depending on your income, you probably should. Uh, if you missed the news, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first kid. And yeah, uh, life insurance is a thing on the mind. 
And if you are contemplating getting life insurance, Policy Genius compares quotes from the top life insurance companies in one place. It takes just a few minutes to compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. This does not just save you a lot of legwork. You could save up to $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, their team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. No one likes to handle red tape, but I guess they do, and credit to them. So if you're one of the many people looking to buy life insurance right now, but you're not sure where to start, head to policygenius.com. Policy Genius will find the best rate and handle the process completely. They'll get you and your family protected and hopefully give you one less thing to worry about. Thank you very much to Policy Genius for sponsoring this episode. Now back to Kim. If there were somebody to challenge North Carolina for that top spot, uh, it is the, the tournament format, so you never know what's going to happen. Which teams do you think are best positions to do that? I think that, that both Rain and Spirit are better positioned to do it than Chicago and Portland. I think that, that long term, Chicago and Portland are they're gonna they're going to get better. They're going to, if we have a normal season, add international stars, mm-hmm. but they don't have that right now. Right now, both of those teams are basically, you know, kind of laying a foundation for the future. They're gonna give more playing time than they usually do to young players and figure out which one of which of their usual bench players or players that they think are going to be key for them moving forward and which ones they maybe want to get rid of. Like it's going to be kind of an evaluation period for those two teams. Whereas with, with rain and spirit, I think they want to win now. Um, Mm -hmm. And even though rain doesn't have Megan Rapino, I think they have a really, I think they have a really deep team. I think they are more so than any other team. The one that if they want to rest players, they can make eight or nine changes. And the difference between their first team and their second team isn't that wide. Um, And Spirit did really well last year, despite not really having Rose Lavelle for most of the season. She only started six games. She only had one goal, one assist. Um, If she's actually fit and at her best, you know, she's one of the best players in the world. And the the difference between the Spirit, who are already a pretty good team without her on the field very often, and her at her best is going to be pretty big. Let's stick with those two teams uh, for a moment, starting with Rain. Who are the key players to watch with no Megan Rapino there? How much is it going to be about, uh, say, Fish, Fishlock, for example? Uh, Fishlock is huge. Um, mm-hmm. She tore her ACL last year, but she's uh, reportedly back at full fitness, and she was you know, one of the best players in the league when she was fit. Um, their new signing, Yuka Momiki, the Japanese international too, I think is a, is a really, really good player. Really like tricky, unconventional winger and that she she plays on the right but she's she's left-footed and she's not just like i don't know what you think of when you think of a left-footed right winger like a iron robin or something she's more of a number 10 like playmaker type but plays wide um and you know kind of operates in weird spaces almost like if you played like a you know de bruyne on the wing to make a a, a comparison to the men's game um and her kind of like partner on that wing is going to be somebody who's also coming back from injury. Taylor Smith, uh, former women's national team right back. Who's like a very attacking right back. Who's going to be like overlapping when Momiki does that thing where she cuts inside. And I think that that combination is going to be deadly. They also added, uh, Shirley Cruz and, um, American playmaker whose name is escaping me. <laughs> uh, Mexican American. Do you know who I'm talking about? Please no, help me. No, I don't. Oh no, I'm sorry. Sofia Huerta. 
There it is. Yes, yes. It came, okay. it came to me. I, all I could think was Sophia Smith, and I was like, that's the wrong team. That's the wrong team. <laughs> it was driving me nuts. So, yes, yeah. Sophia Huerta. So, yeah. so Shirley Cruz and Sophia Huerta are going to probably rotate in that number 10 position, and I think they're both really, really good players. All right. Uh, and what about uh, uh, Rain's coach? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> so Friedman City is uh, controversially was the uh, PSG coach when uh, Lindsay Horan was there and yeah. uh, reportedly told her that, you know, she needed to lose weight to be an effective player. And in a way that was not just, not just the way I said it, but like a mean, like bullying way. Yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of criticism for that. And uh, I can't tell you a lot about how his most recent team played because there is basically no information available uh, on the Chinese league. So, uh, super. So that's, <laughs> that'll be interesting. All right. We're so, guessing, but based on what he has said and based on the roster construction, I think they're going to play some variant on like four, three, three or four, two, three, one. And they're going to be a very possession oriented team. And with the Washington spirit, uh, they, uh, said goodbye to Mallory Pugh, uh, but they will ideally get to start a midfield of Rose Lavelle, Andy Sullivan, Jordan DiBiase. How excited do you think spirit fans should be? Right. Th- so those three, uh, I was talking to, like spirit PR trying to get some, you know, like numbers on how often those team players actually play together. The three of them only started in midfield in together in one of the team's 24 games last year. Um, That's not a lot. And they were still, and they still had a winning record and still had a positive goal differential despite that. So if they can actually keep them, you know, to fit and together, uh, they're going to be really good. And uh, they also signed a Japanese international Kumi Yokoyama, who uh, mm-hmm. they are really, really excited about, uh, Ashley Hatch, the the starting striker, didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of service last year. With um, you know they couldn't find the right strike partner for, her and Lavelle wasn't uh, available. But uh, Richie Burke says their the coach says that Hatch really loves playing with Yokoyama, and uh, they they look like they formed a really good partnership. Yokoyama is one of the players who stood out uh, in the Women's World Cup to me, and I was really excited when the Spirit announced she was coming in. She was one of the players I was most excited about to see, as well as a player who was drafted near the top of the draft who I thought was going to be very good and won't be at this competition anymore. Uh, and I'll leave it there. Uh, let's go back to Portland and Chicago as well. Uh, you, so you talked about how they basically – it feels like Portland – like everybody is is being hit hard by uh, the pandemic, but Portland, especially in terms of like the moves they were making, it felt like they were in the middle of finalizing what was going to be this major roster overhaul where maybe suddenly we were going to have this sort of juggernaut coming out of Portland. And instead, as you said, it feels like they are sort of halfway there, but haven't yet filled out that roster. Then we have the news today. Uh, Adriana French is going to be out with a new knee injury. Sophia Smith, the F1 mentioned, is going to be playing limited minutes. No Tobin Heath as well. What do you think we should expect from Portland in this competition and how far do you think they're going to go? Or are they going to be a team that sort of struggles from the outset? I mean, I think they could still be a semifinalist or finalist, but I think that they are definitely going to be focused on getting minutes for a lot of different players and evaluating which ones they want to keep going forward. Um, I think that a lot of their young players and fringe players are really talented and we could see them make a big step forward to get to the point where, you know they're actually contributing to the the next iteration of the thorns after they they add some big international stars and you know make a push to try to to knock North Carolina off their throne um but yeah it's definitely not like the the thorns anyone's anyone's used to seeing not going to be the best versions of themselves but um i think that Gabby Seiler's a really good player i uh, i think that Morgan Weaver the second overall pick is really good 
Uh, we haven't got to see a lot of Marissa Everett or Madison Pogark yet, um, but I think they're good young players too. And uh, I think a lot of these players are also fighting for their jobs. And I think they know that, mm. that because Portland's got money, they got international roster slots and they haven't signed these players yet. Like by 2021, you know, four or five of these players are going to get cut and <laughs> they're going to get replaced with international stars. Um, so they are fighting to keep their jobs right now. And I think that's going to make things really interesting. And will head coach Mark Parsons, do you think read your, your preview and go for a four, four, two diamond? Well, that was informed by talking to Mark. So okay. I, all right. So yes, I, I didn't just make credit, it up. But... <laughs> um, I'm choosing to believe that you did. And then he uh, heard it from you. And that's how it went. <laughs> but that's fine. You can say whatever you want. But yeah, I think he'll do a little bit of that. And I think he'll, he'll probably play uh, a back three formation at some point too. Okay. All right. And then with the Red Stars, uh, bringing pretty much their full squad, Alyssa Nair, uh, Julie Ertz, Morgan Bryan, Casey Short, Tina Davidson, to name just a few. But the big one missing, as you mentioned, is Sam Kerr. How are they going to replace her goals? Who do you think will sort of lead that line, be the goal scorer for the Red Stars? Um, obviously, you can't replace Sam Kerr like for like. It's not possible. So what I think they're going to do is change the formation and then try to you know get it from three players instead of one player. They've played mostly mostly narrow formations. And then kind of in response to losing Sam Kerr and not being able to replace her, what they did is trade for a bunch of wingers. Um, so they're going to, they're going to change the way they play, I think, and play a couple of wide players at all times. And, you know, instead of trying to get 15 goals from any striker, they play, see if they can get five goals a piece from uh, Savannah McCaskill through the middle. And then a couple of their, of their wide players. Um, they traded for Kelia Watt. Uh, I think that um, Rachel Hill's a good player. I think that Mackenzie Doniak's a good player. And uh, the the last one is Michelle Vasconcelos, who was extremely effective last year before she went down with an injury. Um, she was like actually the most of, I, this is going to sound crazy for people who don't like, haven't looked at the stats and don't know this but I'm dead serious. She was the most effective winger in the league period before she got injured. Um, what, what does that, what does that mean in terms of effectiveness from a statistical standpoint? Her uh, expected goals plus expected goals assisted, like added up together. It was higher than any other winger. Um, and then she was effective in every other way, pressing, dribbling past people. She did it all. All right. Uh, and her name one more time. Sorry. I did. I did not write it down. Uh, Michelle Vasconcelos. And now I will because she is effective. Um, we haven't talked about Houston, Utah, or Sky Blue FC. I want to focus in on Sky Blue, but I want to focus mostly on a point in your preview. Do coaches really deliberately list players on the wrong in the wrong position? And is that as genius of a tactic as it seems to be to me? Because I could absolutely see myself like seeing uh, like Portland come out with like Sophia Smith as a center back, and I'd be like, wait, what are they doing? And I would change my entire approach, and then they would just start her in her usual position. I could see that working. I think the 50-50 thing, when you see players incorrectly listed at a position, um, sometimes it's it's the coach trolling or trying to throw off an opponent. And sometimes the coach submits a roster to the media staff with zero positions and the media staff is guessing. See, that always confuses me, though, because I, ha- I guess I had this idea that if you're the media staff of the team, you would sort of know the positions and be able to do that accordingly. You'd think. <laughs> all right <laughs> um but then let's go to the players themselves uh there will be no Mallory Pugh there will be no Carly Lloyd for Sky Blue how much trouble are they going to be in in this one uh a lot they're not going to be very okay. good but 
I don't, I don't want anybody to think I'm trashing them because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because when you, when you come from where they came from, yep. which is, uh, ownership, neglect, incompetent general manager at the same time. And then you have to completely rebuild from that from a, from a place where players were retiring mm-hmm. instead of playing for you. Um, going overseas, requesting trades. They had a lot of good players that they had to trade for 50 cents on the dollar because they had no choice because otherwise they were going to go overseas or retire. Um, so going from that to a uh, like playoff quality team is really hard and you can't do it in a year. And anybody who expects you to do it in a year is nuts. And even if they had done it in a year, they still don't have Carly Lloyd and Mallory P for this tournament, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So A, they're going to be bad. B, I'm not criticizing them for that. I think yeah, they're, I, mean, I, I think they're going to take a step forward. Like mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to start to make progress. Um, Margaret Purse is a really really good acquisition for them, and I hope they do play her at striker because she's a really good striker and she's better than that than that at that than fullback. Despite where you know Vlatko Andonovsky would like to to see her play, she's a better striker. Um, Kayleen Sheridan, their goalkeeper, is probably the best goalkeeper in the league. Um, and I liked their draft. I thought they drafted a lot of really good young players. So, um, yes, they're not going to be a winning team in this tournament, I don't think. But um, they're, you know, they're building for next year. Carly Lloyd missing due to injury. Are we assuming that that is actual injury and not sort of coronavirus concerns? <laughs> I don't I don't care to speculate and I don't really care which one it is. All right. It's if 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 she didn't want to play because of coronavirus, but didn't mm-hmm. want to get criticized for it. So she made up an injury. I don't care. That's fine. Cool. All right. All right. What, what can we talk about with Houston and Utah? Because those are the two that I think I have the least familiarity with. Uh, and I'm I'm guessing that you can sort of fill in a lot of the knowledge gaps there. Uh, Utah is another one of the teams that, like, they're not going to be good, and that's fine. They're very much in an evaluation period, right? Not just because press is sitting out, but because they traded uh, Becky Sauerbrunn. They dra- they're going to be playing rookies. They have a brand-new coach. Their coach had not been hired yet when they did their draft, so he wasn't even involved in picking those players. So, like, Craig Harrington is coming in with, you know, he did his homework. Like, he watched tape of their games last year and of these new players, but he's still coming in pretty blind, right? Um, So he's going to be using this tournament to figure out what he's got um, and basically which of these players he thinks are going to be a big part of his team going forward and which ones they need to, uh, to release or trade. And uh, I think it was Stephen Goff was reporting that uh, according to his sources, this will basically be it for the year. We won't get uh, anything after this unless things dramatically change where fans can be in the stands. So, do you think that is sort of the case for most of the teams in this league, aside from the ones that are sort of way out in front, that it will be coaches using this as a quick period to evaluate, okay, who do I want to keep? Who do I want to go? How do I want to change my roster very quickly? Yeah, I think it is for a lot of them. You mentioned Houston, though. I think Houston is going to be taking it pretty seriously because they return most of the same players. They have the same coach. Um, I don't think they're one of the better rosters in the league, but they are... um, at least a team that has some idea of how they want to play and has a lot of, you know, returning players and the same coach. So like they are where, where they are in their like development as a team is different than the teams that have a brand new coach or that turned over half their roster. Right. Like they're focusing on like, how do we get results right now? And um, 
even though they're, I think they're thin. Like if, if they have a couple starters go down, they're in trouble. Um, their starting 11 is pretty good. There's Houston starting 11 is probably the best it's ever been. Hello, everybody. This is Taylor one more time taking a break from talking to Kim to let you know that today's episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Hydrant. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious uh, and nutritious because each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. Uh, They help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. Uh, I have hydrant in front of me right now. I've gone grapefruit today. I will spare you the uh, the pain of hearing the mouth noise of me drinking, but just rest assured that I am in fact hydrating using hydrant because it tastes really good and it also makes it easy to stay hydrated, which is important when you're recording from home and your diet is about 75% coffee. And unlike my tried and true method of assuming there's water in coffee and therefore the coffee is hydrating me, hydrant is backed by actual research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists, meaning they're very fancy, uh, to provide perfectly balanced efficient hydration, which also means there are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners, also a positive. But perhaps the biggest positive of all is that you can get 25% off your first order by going to drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. That's drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. One more time, drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. Thank you very much to Hydrant for sponsoring this episode. Now back to some NWSL chat. Who do you think has the best sort of best attack to worst defense ratio? As in, if you're a neutral tuning in, who do you think is going to score a bunch of goals, but probably also concede some? Sky Blue. All right. Sky Sky Blue is going to lose some 3-2 games. Okay. All right. I'll I'll take that. And what about uh, the North Carolina Courage? Do you see them conceding like at all? Like, do they have vulnerabilities or are they just that strong? Uh, No, their only vulnerabilities is like if they decide to rest players and rotate a lot. And All right, so we've got basically North Carolina Courage far and away the favorites. We've got a couple other candidates in there. But the other way that people could go about watching this if they're not sort of a fan of a specific team is from a U.S. women's national team perspective. Uh, the U.S. women's national team, of course, is, is quite good. I'm guessing you knew that. Um, but it, it then, in my mind, stands to reason that you could almost build two w- uh, women's national teams and succeed in some tournaments. So if you were, Kim, to assemble a sort of second U.S. women's national team uh, from some of the players that we already talked about or we haven't yet talked about who might be on that squad not even necessarily position by position but i'm just wondering who are some names that maybe people should be keeping an eye on uh for the u.s women's national team b team that we're creating to maybe get to the a team later on uh so the rain took alana cook center back on loan from psg she signed an extension with psg so she's still going to be playing europe for the foreseeable future but she wanted to get some some game time uh now uh and I think she'll be probably playing most of the games for the rain. And she's a really, a really talented young player who uh, is going to be in contention to start at center back in the future. Uh, you mentioned Jordan DiBiase on the spirit. She's been called in the one national team camp. She doesn't have any caps yet. Um, she's, I think someone who has to make a big step forward in her defensive work. Like technically she's excellent, but uh, she's not the smartest player on the defensive end of the ball yet. Um, and if she improves that, I think she's going to start getting some national team looks. Uh, and I'm also interested to see how uh, how Bethany Balser does, uh, another another rain player who was uh, was an NIA N N I N A I A player. It Sorry. always gets me. It always gets me that league. Yes. Uh, who who ended up making it to the league after performing really well in uh, the in the second division semi pro uh, 
women's soccer and had a really good debut season um, and got in, called into to a national team camp. Uh, she's going to have a big opportunity with Megan Rapino out to be one of the the big stars of the of the rain attack, and uh, I'm excited to see what she can do. Um, and from a non NWSL perspective, uh, you may, you probably saw this on Twitter, but uh, from a, a man named Daryl Grove was curious. Uh, Australian Ellie Carpenter is signed for Leon. Does that mean Lucy Bronze will be leaving? And if so, is there any chance she comes to the United States? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, uh, I don't know about whether or not she's going to leave Leon. I, I'm, I imagine that Leon would not have paid a transfer fee for a right back unless they thought they were going to lose bronze. That would be very surprising. Uh, I don't think she'll come to the United States though, because, uh, I don't know. I think you'd have to be crazy to be a professional athlete that came to the United States right now. If you had a equal financial opportunity in Europe, given the coronavirus. Yeah, I guess like that. It's weird how sometimes you can know two things simultaneously and not connect them. And in my head, it's like, yeah, I can't wait for that because there was the reports of like Amel Majri might be coming and Jennifer Marachan might be coming. Uh, and now here we are where it seems like that is very much less likely. Does that mean do you think that it's going to be sort of some scrambling from NWSL teams? Are we going to see maybe like more domestic players, like more highly valued because they're not going to be able to allure the talent from uh, across the pond? <laughs> That's a really I good hate question. That I just said that phrase. I hate that I just said and, that phrase. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, it depends on how under control things get in the next few months. Like, I don't know when they're going to do the expansion draft. Um, obviously, you can't really sign players until uh, until January. Um, we don't know how coronavirus is going to look in January. I know I wouldn't sign right now, um, but maybe in January things look okay. I have absolutely no idea. I'm not a public health official. That's fair. That's fair. Probably not fair to ask you to speculate on the long-term strategy of NWSL teams when it comes to public health. Uh, I'll instead ask you, so stands to reason we see the North Carolina Courage celebrating uh, the title at the end of this. If it's not them, who is your money on? Uh, my second pick would be the Spirit, just because of how highly I rate Rose LaBelle. And I think she is one of the very few players who can win games on her own, even if her team is underperforming. And who is the player that you are most excited to see get to play again or get to see play again? Uh, let's see if I had to, if I had to pick somebody who isn't Lavelle, just so I have a, a different answer. Um, <laughs> I'll say Dabinia from the North Carolina courage. I think she's, she's one of the most entertaining players in the league. I really love watching her. Uh, and she, she scored the, the banger of a free kick in the final last year, right? Yeah. She was the final MVP. There we go. All right. So keep an eye on Davinia. Rose Lavelle, uh, I, I want to go back to you for a moment because we had a person ask, uh, our listener ask, if she is the best women's national team player right now at this moment. Would you put her in that conversation? Uh, in the conversation, sure. But if I had to if I had to pick like one player, like if we were, I don't know, you, you like you versus me as the coaches and I got I got first pick to like win one game, I picked Julia Ertz. That. That makes sense. Julia strikes me as uh, an intense competitor is how I'm going to put that. Like, Correct. She, there, there were the reports of like that Marta was furious when uh, Orlando had to withdraw. Julia is another one I would not want to have to cross at any point. Uh, no. Um, I th- and I think that just, not just on like what she does on the field and how intense she is, but just like from a leadership perspective in training, um, you know, all of her, her teammates and coaches, just like the way they speak about her sounds like she is uh, incredible in that aspect as well. I'm a big fan of, of watching how players celebrate. And because I do feel like you can sort of read into team chemistry and how players get along with how they celebrate. 
I think Julie Ertz celebrates every single goal as though it's like the critical goal that has never been scored before. Like she gets into those celebrations <laughs> and that as well. It's the, it's the intensity, but then the celebration. I think that is what you want in a leader. So yeah, the Julie Ertz pick makes sense. Would Rose Lavelle be your second pick if she was still on the table? Uh, yes. And then your third? And we'll leave it there. I won't ask you, like, I won't go down to, like, number 36 or anything. Uh, my third would be Crystal Dunn because it kind of protects against, like, what if you take all the other players I want? I can play her in any position. All right. Well, I feel like I've asked you a series of rapid-fire questions. Uh, I will leave it there. But, Kim, if people want to read more from you or uh, follow your coverage throughout this competition, I'm assuming you'll be covering it. Uh, how can they do so? Uh, I write on All for 11, which is All for and then Roman numeral 11. So uh, All for xi.com mm-hmm. and my twitter is lgbtqfc and where are you on your previews right now because i think that you only threw like four or five when i checked uh this morning yeah we've got three up and then there's going to be two more going up uh this afternoon and two more on thursday afternoon the last one on friday sweet all right we've got the schedule we've got the tournament coming back kim thank you so much for uh making sense of all the teams and the competition itself yeah thanks for having me 